Welcome to The Floss, the self-help show for people that probably don't need it. You can follow the show on Instagram at The Floss Pod or subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash The Floss Pod. If you do something that you think everyone should do or that nobody should do, email it to us at theflosspod at gmail.com. We might read it. I'm your host, Gabe Gary. For the first recording ever, I have a beautiful man with me. I hear he's good at comedy, but we just find ourselves in the same buildings a lot of time. Uh, he is the, the is it, can I say grandfather? You got some white in that beard, dude. I'm going to say the grandfather of Cleveland comedy, Mr. John Armstrong. Grandfather my ass. I'm the grandson of Cleveland comedy, all right? I am a I am a guppy in this game. Yeah, right? you only five years, right? Yupper. Yeah. I would say I'm the grandson of Cleveland comedy. Relatively new comic, but you know, your age gives you wisdom and I wanna thank you for being the first guest on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This well, is actually, gonna be a good time. You might not be the first uh, the episode release, but you're my first recording. Here I we feel go. Like, you're like you're like the you are the safety blanket of Cleveland comedy. Here we go. This is what this is what they do, in America. This is what happened when they established the Fox Channel. First, they had uh, the black shows. They had Martin living single. They had the New York undercover. They said, "Let's bring in the urban audience." Once they had that, you know what they did. Then nine hundred two and zero came around. Melrose Place. We should get you a, a uniform it's the and template. a badge. Yes, it's the template for every for every burgeoning station. They did the same with the CW. It was all those black shows, and then after that, it was like, you know what? Let's get some Dawson's. Are you saying representation does not matter? You don't want representation. John would rather see a bunch of white people doing white person things than white people pretending to give a shit about black people. That is correct. That is actually yeah. That actually sounds pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) You have a you have a future in politics, sir. You see Mike. how he twisted around what I was what, what I was trying to bait him into. No, uh, I, I, I'm all playing. This is going to be a good time. Tell him what the premise is. Tell, tell him I was about doing. to. I <laughs> what? I yeah, don't know. John, let him host his show. <laughs> all right. So yeah, can y'all? I'm if, gonna run back there. Y'all can't see the <laughs> curtain, but fucking the Wizard of Oz is back there, and goddamn it! If you're new to the floss, it's kind of like it, we're, I don't want. I don't want to say self help because if you need self help. You're not going to help yourself. You ain't it uh, but, you know, us. if you kind of have your shit together or you're working on getting your shit together and you wouldn't mind hearing a few things you should do or hear a few things you shouldn't, this is a good place to listen. We'll get right into the first episode of John's. So, John, is there something you do that you think other people should do as well? Absolutely. <laughs> no, no uh, I, first of all, thanks for having me. Second of all, I love the premise. This is a good Thank idea. You. Sometimes people are just like, let's get in the room and talk shit. Uh, but no, this is awesome. Oh, we're going to talk some shit. Uh, what I do that I think everyone should do, and it's the one thing that has uh, saved my life mentally, is comedy. Now, I wouldn't say necessarily do comedy, but follow your dreams. Follow your dreams. And it, 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 Dude, uh, okay, so that sounds very corny yeah, and very the corny. secret of life and very sounds like something a white dude on fox will tell you it is <laughs> that's what fucking tucker caution says every day i had a you... dream that there were no black people and i'm following my dream. <laughs> <laughs> follow your dreams follow back, back to, to that? Follow, yeah back, back to, to following your dreams all right so okay so you've been doing comedy for five years how old are you right now i don't know what are you 41 
42. 42. Okay, so you started when you were 37. Right. What was John doing when he was 36, 30? actually, but it was like right before. So okay. And I'm, and I'm going to use that 36 thing, too, so I can okay. kind of grandfather my so way So what were you years. doing when you were 35? Hmm. Other than having being freshly mid- eligible to run for president. I know, right? Having a, a midlife crisis. I... Uh, I, I've been in the service industry for a while, so I was bartending, and just as the years keep coming by, they come by quicker and quicker, and I always had this like fantasy of wanting to do comedy or something, mm-hmm. and as the years go by, I'm like, well, John, if you don't act on this, this is your life is really going to suck, man. Like, when are you... It's kind of like... Um, I always relate things to sex, but I don't know how old you were when you lost your virginity, but I was uh, 17 going on 18, kind of like my comedy thing. And when you're just in your head, like, I want to have sex, I want to have sex, but I I was painfully shy too. So when when you want to have sex so bad, but you're not pursuing sex, but the time keeps going by and you're like, well, somebody has to act on something or this is going to get bad. And that's how I started thinking with just my career and what I wanted to do. And I could tell the only thing that was keeping me from doing comedy was the fear of failure and just the fear of being judged by my family and peers. You know what I mean? So I knew that the only thing that was keeping me from doing it was fear. And if that's the only thing keeping you, then that's a that's from a bad place. It wasn't even from a logical place. It wasn't like it's this thing where like we live in, you know... China or somewhere where that you can't really parlay that into a real career. It's like you could actually do that. So so why aren't you doing it? So and when I started doing comedy, it was the best feeling I I ever had and I've just felt accomplished and it feels it feels amazing to I mean it it sounds corny but to live with purpose and to wake up knowing that you're working on something and you're working towards a goal and you're uh, like making people happy. It's all this corny shit. It's like falling in love. On the outside looking in, it looks so corny and stupid. But once you get in it, you're like, man, this is this is the life, what makes life worth living type shit. So, yeah, everybody follow your dreams. I would always tell people to do that. Not so necessarily. were you basically thinking when I die – the worst thing that could happen is I look back and didn't at least try. That's exactly what I was thinking. Exactly. I was like, I'm not even religious, but I was like, if I die having not done comedy, I would feel like I wouldn't, uh, like if there is an afterlife or something like that, I would feel like whatever thing or entity controls this machine would just look at my soul like just be like dude come on yeah like i gave you the tools to do this you know you wanted to do this and you didn't do this so you go back to the conveyor belt into the line (laughs) i don't know if that's like being reincarnated into an ant or another person or just goes to darkness or maybe none of this exists but i just i just felt like my I, I I wasn't living my purpose, Gabe. <laughs> so it just felt like I wasn't, you know, stepping into my truth. Dude, being an ant would suck because there's a decent chance that you that you like get born in a jungle and you're an ant and you do your shit yeah. and then you die. You don't have to think that'd be great. But I just scraped a whole bunch of ants with my shoe walking into this building. I Dude, just there's ruined so many them. different I types fucking of ants. Ruined them. Now, if you were the type that that go into other colonies and like 
take their the the maggots and larvae and use them as slaves, as you might want to do. No, no, no they're, they're, <laughs> you could do that. They're, yeah, they're ants that You ever see that shit? No. Dude, watch Discovery Channel. And then there's other ants. There's this fungus that infects them. That infects their head. The where it makes, it makes their heads heads explode. Yeah. Oh no shit. Yeah, yeah. The fungus is fucking crazy, dude. So, so there's a million different possibilities you can have in that. You can be the cool ant with the big mandibles that can fucking snap shit in half, or you could just be some worker bee ant that's just holding the line and trying to get across the river somewhere in the Amazon. Is doing comedy your dream? So, let's say you ride this out for your life. Have you achieved? Have you followed your dream? Ooh. But did you? What is what is a let me just rewind this and say what is what does success look in your eye? What is you your mean. version like, of success? Like what's the end goal? Like like is this the dream or are you parlaying are you this going, into the are TV? You, are you movies? ever going to be satisfied? You be a, uh, I don't think I I think part of the human condition is there's never a there there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You get to a top of a mountain, you see another mountain. So I, I think that's part of it. I think I and I, I've been kind of having this conversation with myself that I do have to have an internal uh, dialogue in knowing that you have to find a happiness in what you're doing because you can't chase it like a drug because there always is going to be another thing and you should do that, but you shouldn't discount what's going on. I was um I was having a conversation with Brett Thomas, very funny local comedian. Also has a Golden Ox podcast called Brett Talk. Um, I got a well. Actually, by the time this comes out, my episode will already be out. But great comic, great podcast, oh, awesome. Golden Ox Studio. We were having a conversation. We were at Hilarities, and uh, we were just talking about trying to get better and trying to get more gigs and just trying to do more stuff. And then I remember looking at him, and I was like, you know what? When we're more successful, we're gonna look back at this, and these are probably gonna be some of the best days of our comedy lives. So I'm gonna try to uh, hold on to this. Because you know how people say it's the journey and that's all corny but and the shit. The whole journey's but, out there. But but it but it really is because people who are successful sometimes uh, I heard another comic talk about this too. So this is why some comics uh, kind of plateau off and don't get it uh, and even start like digressing because when you're interacting with people and living, that's the comedy. But uh, what the what the successful comic was saying is like once you get a certain level of success. You're in an airplane to a limo to a club or a theater. And then you're back in the limo, back to the hotel, back home. So you're never, you're insulated from everything. So you're never interacting with anybody. So I, this is part of the goal, but of course I want to be able to make more money. Of course I want to be creative to the point to where I'm uh, influential. There is a certain amount of ego in there mm-hmm. that you do want your to have name recognition. You wouldn't go up there if like you that. didn't think you had something to say. Yeah, you wouldn't go up there. Yeah. I was listening to um, I was listening to a podcast with Noah Garden Schwartz on it, who's a comic. He writes for Mrs. Maisel. I got to work with him at Hilarities. I, okay, so me and so, Dave Flint, another great comic. That was oh, that was that weekend. Yeah. What a great fucking weekend that was. I'm yeah. very upset I missed that. I want I didn't even get to see one show. It was it was fun. Yeah. Do you like Noah? Yeah. Seems like a nice dude. Yeah, he was super cool. Um, but he was talking about um, you know, being young in your career and being upset when you don't get opportunities. Being upset when, you know, things might not go your way early on. Yeah. But then 5 or 6 years down the line, you'll look back at that opportunity and be like, you know what? It's not the end of the world that I didn't get that because if I got that, 
I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes you can get stuff too early and not be ready for it. And um, but I mean, if if opportunity, but that said, I mean, if if biggest right. comic in the world came through the door right right now, like you, you. In my plane right now. We're about to go there. We're like, hell yeah, I'm jumping yeah, on that opportunity. I'll fucking, dude, I'll, <laughs> even if I'm just a fucking, ro- I'll suck his dick. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Steven, or hers. Steven Spielberg's in, in the uh, <laughs> in the limo. Get down here. We've got a trans woman. You need to suck her dick. <laughs> we're gonna, here's something you I said was, it. We heard it on the microphone. Here's something I always wondered, though, is getting an opportunity too early to a point where you're not able to uh, accomplish that opportunity is that ruining the next opportunity for no, you? No, I'll take it every for time. Forgetting it, forgetting it too early. I think I think it can, but at the same time, I think one of the biggest things you need to do is just is to constantly be learning and growing. So even if it is too quick for you, even if you fuck it up, you learn something. Right, right. Process. But I will take Jeremy to your question. I'll take that opportunity every time for a couple reasons. First reason is if I don't have to like quit my job. Or you know, like, like miss the birth of my child. Like, I'll take it. Like, I'll I'll make it fit in if it's a great opportunity, and I recognize that it's a great opportunity. Um, but uh, the other reason is I just feel like uh, you know, even winging something that I might not be totally like, if I had the opportunity to be like a forty minute headliner and I only have thirty minutes, thinking I could do an, a a little bit something. With that extra 10 minutes Ooh, I don't have. So you would do that? I would do it mainly because I feel like my winging it is up to the standard of a lot of other guys, like, yeah. really, really trying. And, Sometimes. And, yeah, that that's, like, the opportunity of, yeah, strike when the iron's hot. Like, like, yeah. like our opportunity, Haley's comment, that thing's only going to come around, you know, yeah. at a certain time. And also, any club that would give me a headlining spot without knowing who I am, even if I do blow it. Probably wasn't <laughs> wasn't missing much on that opportunity. Uh, don't let don't let uh, Mister Gabe here undersell himself. This I'll man murder. is not only funny, but one of the things I love about you is you are, or at least you come across as fearless, and I love that. I try my best to be. Yeah, yeah. I try my best to be. So if you if you just got that attitude alone, dude, you're go. I'm afraid. Uh, well, I'm not really. I get nervous sometimes. Like I talked the first time I talked to Sam at Hilarities. You know, introduce myself, sell myself as a comic, talk about sending him a video. Or, or, you know, yeah. I literally said to him, I was like, dude, I'm more nervous during this because I got put up at jokes on you. Yeah. And I'd never been on that stage before. Sam, oh yeah, you did good too. Sam man. didn't even know who I was. Yeah, and they put me on stage. Um, and then I was talking to him a co- like a week or so later, and I go, dude, I'm more nervous during this conversation than I was on stage. Yeah, you did good, man. It was like you were, you were chill, dude. Yeah, I'm glad you did well because you bumped a certain somebody that night. Hey, you talked. You, you said the first time you went up, you you bombed really hard. Oh yeah, I've bombed several times after that. <laughs> okay, so you got the opportunity to go up several times yep. even after bombing. No, See, I was that's, happy you had a good set. That's the other thing that kind of keeps you going. It's like, who cares if you who cares if you fuck up? Well, that's one of the things I love about comedy is it is very it, it's just it's very humbling, man. It, it is, is very. very humbling. Like and you can do good, you can kill, but that bomb is coming. It's always coming. Do you want to know why I'm fearless? I'm not afraid of a crowd. You know what the most popular show in this country was for 15 years? The Big what? Bang Theory. The crowds are not that smart. They're not that hard to impress. <laughs> Fuck the crowd. That's why I'm not afraid to say shit. What are they going to do? Cancel you. 
No, this is the. I love what you're saying, Gabe. There's so there, overall a person. A person is very hard to please, and a person is very hard to get out of them what they do or do not like. Yeah. But a crowd, yeah, wants cool. to be pleased, and they'll thing. let you yeah. know when when it's happening or not. Yeah. And if it's not happening. Oh well, it's one person versus fifty. You're not gonna fight them. Get the fuck off stage and try again next time. That is a that is a very evolved way to look at it. Cause I just recently um, learned that, or or I'm trying to apply that. It's one thing to try to get people to laugh, try to get crowds to laugh, try to be funny. But then once you can do that, it's then. Now I'm going to show you my outlook on, on outlook on the world. I'm going to bear myself either if it's me being observational to stuff that's going on and giving you opinions or even just sharing stuff with you that um, might not necessarily be something that I should be sharing, but I feel like it's funny isn't it? and it's my point of view. And that's a good thought process to have as far as like I... I only put so much stock into what the audience is thinking because if you're constantly trying to please the audience and be just this funny person, then you're never going to get to the meat of good jokes. And they're never going to know who you are. You're just going to be this vaudeville. Hello. You know what my favorite joke of yours is? What's that? I've only ever heard you talk about it once. I don't even are you know if you consider it a joke. On here? The Red gonna... Lobster, when you philosophize about the Red Lobster. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to conceptualize that because very something. few white people would be comfortable enough to laugh at that. Yeah. And it sure pisses off a lot of black people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh um, but it's you're right. That's exactly what happens. Well, yeah. I'm fascinated by that. I got fascinated by that not just growing up in the hood and then moving to the suburbs, but also working in restaurants mm-hmm. and seeing the cycle the life cycle of restaurants and how something can be this posh thing that everyone likes and then you see the clientele slowly start changing. But the problem with us is they don't America doesn't look at us as being three dimensional. So it's just black people came in and ruined it when you're not looking at socioeconomic things and different things. It's like, this black person ain't that black person. You know what I mean? It could be two white people and they'll be like, okay, this is a white person that's in a well-to-do place. Or even if you grew up poor, but you still you still have good social etiquette versus somebody who doesn't. They'll differentiate that if you're white or you will at least be given the benefit of the doubt. But if you black, then it's just... You know what sucks? And that... Well, for, is there an opposite of gentrification? Like a word? Like, oh, like what happened? Blackifying? Like, yeah, know. ghettoization. Yeah, I guess. Is yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it doesn't really roll off the tongue like gentrification. But nonetheless, you know what? Dur- what sucks is during that first phase, let's go back to Red Lobster, where it's a bunch of like, you know, white people with money, and then black people with money want to eat a Red Lobster too because they like eating nice yeah. food. And, and the white people love crab legs. The white, the, those white people, they don't see a black person with money. They just see a black person, right. so they leave. But you know what sucks? Those two groups of people definitely get along. Yeah. In, in a vacuum, those two people hit it off. Well, especially in, in in capitalist America, those two people have way more yes. in common. The same. What well, is the same? What what has stopped a lot of uh, social and socialism and working class movements if they always find a way to wedge between working class white people and black people, even though we've got more in common 
you know, then we then a poor you know a poor white person has more in common with a poor black person than they do with Bill Gates or mm-hmm. or any other people in the one percent. But still, you know, if you sell them that dream of you can be that one percenter, you're better than you know. Do you like Mac Miller? He's all right. I don't, I don't dislike him. I just was outside of his uh, sphere when he was. Uh, he has a song at the, at the beginning. He does a little talking before he starts rapping, and then right before he starts rapping, he says. Follow your dreams. Nice. That is The Floss. If you liked part one of this feature episode, part two will be coming out next week. But if you want to listen to it early, all you have to do is subscribe to the show's Patreon at patreon.com slash thefloss Every episode of The Floss is recorded at Golden Ox Studio in Cleveland, Ohio. If you live in Cleveland and you need to say something into a microphone for any reason at all, do it at Golden Ox Studio. Jeremy's awesome. He cares a lot about Cleveland, and he'll give a huge shit about whatever you're making. I'm Gabe Gary, and thank you very much.